Welcome to the Notion Podcast. This is Reimagining. Hi, I'm Paul, again with Stephen for Reimagining. How are you, Stephen? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. Apparently, we're enjoying the last of the hot weather. Oh, my God, don't tell me We're recording this in early June, <laughs> but we'll see. This is going to come out in a, a few weeks' time, and it'll all be a distant memory. And we're also still distancing, including with our guests today. We're doing that on Zoom, as everybody can understand. Everybody knows Zoom nowadays. I mean, Zoom is more valuable than any airline in the world right now. So, Stephen, who are we having today with us? So, our next guest is Nick Whitfield. Nick founded Panacea, a cybersecurity company, back in 2014. And Panacea provides continuous controls monitoring to give chief information security officers, CISOs, visibility of all their assets and the confidence that goes from having the security controls working effectively across their organization. We invested in Panacea back in 2015, I think, wasn't it, Nick? It was, yeah, 2015. So a while back at the seed stage. So Nick, welcome. And let's just jump straight in. When and how did you realize the significance of the coronavirus crisis to your business? I suppose I first paid some attention to it when a, an investor I was talking to in January or February mentioned it as potentially disrupting the investment environment. And that's the first time I came across it. And I'm one of these people that doesn't read any of the traditional media. So I don't, I don't watch the news and I don't read newspapers. So I try and let most stuff that goes on that I have no control over kind of just pass me by. Um, what happened was my leadership team, who are obviously clued up and on the ball, started raising the risk to us, you know, and concerns from across the team about it. And that was in mid-March, I guess. And that's where we saw that this was going to be significant. It was going to have an immediate impact on our operations and those of our customers and other stakeholders and markets generally. So we started thinking about what we should do about it. And how did it feel? I mean, I, you know, I can put myself back in the position there, but how did it feel and kind of talk us about that kind of personal and emotional journey as you kind of realized that the profound impact this was going to have? Well, the trigger for me was looking at the metrics and the exponential nature of the spread. You know, being data people, that was immediately meaningful for us. So intellectually, we thought, right, this is going to be disruptive. That's the right word, disruptive. How did it feel? I don't know. I suppose in the, in the founder journey, you get used to your life being as... So the, the analogy I use is that founding a company is like, you realize it's going to be tough. You've got yourself ready. You're going to run the 110-meter hurdles at the Olympics and you've trained and you've got yourself ready, you've got the right mindset and the firing gun goes and you sprint off. And then you realize after the first hurdle, it was actually a wall and you're now in a water trough and the guy next to you is on a horse and half the competition started 20 minutes ago. And it's like, you're in the steeplechase and you had no idea. And, and, and so I suppose what, what I learned early on is if I allow myself to react with a negative mindset negative emotional reaction to every hurdle that we see i'm going to die right because all startup is is a series of hurdles a series of problems to solve so i suppose i saw it in that light and what i've learned through stoicism is for anything that happens assume you decided that assume that was your decision and then work out what the opportunity is in it and so we did the same with COVID. We saw this coming and we said, right, what, what do we think we need to do to safeguard the business? What's the opportunity in it for us? How do we need to react? How quickly do we need to move? And it, it, quite quickly, the feeling was one of being very energized, actually. And I think it's probably the same with a number of other entrepreneurs is that 
our natural the mana from heaven for us is change. We love disruption. We we love operating in that environment where things are changing. It's actually where things are static. We find problems. <laughs> we we get into difficult situations where things aren't changing. So actually, I was quite energised. Mate, clearly though, you had to make some fairly big changes to the business. And how did you reconcile yourself to some other changes you needed to make? Yeah, so there were, there were some emotional hurdles. I mean, the thinking that we had very quickly actually was I and some of the other leadership team members have been through recessions in the past. You know, I personally have been in some companies where they were slow to react and the, the reaction was insufficient. And what I saw was that the staff were constantly fearing for their livelihood and fearing for their family's financial well-being and so on, because they never knew, were they going to be next? Were they going to be made redundant? Were they, was their project going to be cut? So what we decided is we'd make a single deep cut to the business. We're going to do it once, obviously with a lot of thought about which parts were non-core and which would have the minimum disruption in the short term. And some of those decisions were emotional, you know. We've, as a team, we've been together for six years. We're very much a family and our, one of the decisions we made was to furlough some people, to let some people go. And it's never an easy decision to make. It's the hardest decision ever to make, I think, as a, as a leader. But even things like the office, you know, we were lucky. The universe helped us out with some synchronicity in that lockdown started in the last week of March. Our office lease was up in the first week of April for our London offices, which is a big expenditure. So we made the decision very quickly to let go of the office. We figured that it was a fixed cost that we could get rid of that we weren't going to be able to use to its fullest capacity for quite a long time. You know, even if we were able to work under social distancing, we'd only have 50% capacity at best. So, so yeah, it was, it was challenging. But once we'd made those decisions, we made them, we committed to them, we made them stick. But we also did it, you know, one of our founding values is around compassion, you know. So with the people that were no longer with the business, we offer them support and some tutoring from our head of talent to help them in any other pursuits that they that they go for. I can only imagine you would have treated them with a huge amount of respect. But then you've obviously got the, the people who are staying as well and the customers. And um, I'm just wondering, as you kind of go through that process, and you, it sounds like you handled that well personally, emotionally, how did you then change the business and the way you worked? Because now you haven't got an office, which, you know, a very office-centric business. Uh, you've let some people go. What did you then start to do differently? Maybe you can talk a little bit about how you're working with your customers or your employees and, and kind of the, the general day-to-day operations. Yeah, so I suppose we looked at it as, as probably lots of others have. It is a three-phase thing. And I haven't done an MBA, but I understand everything happens in three phases in, in MBA land. But we, we basically said, right, let's get lean first. So that was the cost-saving measures that we put in place. And that was about 30% of the planned budget for 2020. Um, second phase, we called hibernate and hustle. The phase we're in now. And the third phase, obviously, is the rebound. So in hibernate and hustle, the idea was, look, we're going to go super lean. We're going to operate as well as we can given the resources that we've got, given the people and companies that we have access to. And I suppose some things have come out of that, right? So one of the things that's come out of this is we've recognized that actually in that period of getting lean, we felt like as a leadership team, we were highly effective, probably more effective than we ever have been. And then it started going back to normal again. And we said, well, hang on a minute. We want to be that effective all of the time. So we started introducing more 
awareness, I suppose the word is, of our leadership behaviours. You know, in times where it's not crisis, how do we behave as leaders in the organisation? And this is it's nothing, we didn't do anything groundbreaking, it's kind of Lencioni type work around, you know, the dysfunctions that teams suffer from. It's, it's an awareness of when am I speaking for me personally, when am I speaking for me as my team, or when am I speaking for the company? And obviously as leaders, we should be focused on company benefit, not teams or individuals. We've done quite a lot of work on that that's been really beneficial. Some practical stuff on go-to-market. Obviously, 12-month marketing plans went out the window because no one knows how to sell in the current environment or how to market. So we set up, you know, I've got a great CMO, Sean, over in New York, who's set up an experimentation process for marketing. So we can now put ideas into a hopper that might be, hey, test this message through this channel with this set of target personas in these ICP customers and see if it works. And if it doesn't, throw it away and take some more out the hopper. If it works, great, invest some more in it and get the best benefit from it. So we're quickly churning through ideas to work out what's going to stick. I suppose operationally, we're all now sat at home and I don't think anyone should underestimate the impact that has on a company, right? And we're learning as we go with this. But what we did do is set up a winning from home team. So this is a working group, if you like, that has representation across each function in the business at all levels. So it's not handpicked. It's not nothing to do with the leadership team. It's just a, a selection of people from the company representing both our UK and US geographies and each function. And their job is to make sure people are firstly as well as possible at home because it's a different environment and some people are suffering more than others. Some people are excelling and it affects everyone differently. So they've put in place things like, you know, we already had counselling in place, but additional counselling and so on. And then also how effective are they in their jobs working at home? And that, that winning from home group is now starting to turn its eyes to what is our future operating model? Because, you know, we used to be an office-based company with a, a few people maybe working remotely. Now we're currently all working at home and the question is what will we be in the future and it's a really it's a non-trivial decision to make with lots of implications both in terms of people's well-being commercial decisions legal decisions so we're starting to now collect ideas for those as well but it's really all about people whether there are people or our customers or our potential customers or our investors or our potential investors it's this is all about people i love the the hibernate and hustle I haven't seen much evidence of hibernating from you, but but certainly lots of hustle um, and, and lots of exciting things going on in, in the business and really using this as an opportunity for, for change. But what about the rebound? Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see. I mean, if you look at a business like ours, we sell a platform, you know, big, big deal size to global financial institutions, typically. We have a relatively long sales cycle for SaaS companies in kind of between six and 18 months, depending on the size of organization. And obviously, when the COVID hit, there were some big question marks. One of them was, you know, we, we only had less than six months of cash runway. So we didn't know whether we were going to be able to take investment. We didn't know how our forecast was going to be affected. We didn't know what would happen to our prospective customers and their ability to buy or their willingness to buy. So we've been working through those questions. And the three key things we wanted to get absolutely nailed down for 2020 were, number one, make sure we've got cash for the year. And we've done that. And we've now got cash well into 2021. Number two was build as much 
reassurance as we can into our forecast. So we scrubbed the hell out of that, really tested it, and now have very, very good understanding in detail, confidence around our, you know, I hesitate to say it, but we've got confidence around our forecast for the year that should do our target. So we're very happy with that. And the third is now just getting assurance around delivery of that. You know, dealing with the kind of big global organizations that we do, delivery is, is never as simple as just flipping a switch and they're on. So we just have to get that nailed down. Once we've done that, we can then look at 2021. And that's really where we see our rebound happening. And there's lots of ideas at this stage, but there's a huge amount of unknown, a huge amount of uncertainty. What we're trying to do is make sure that our growth is driven organically. So I'll, I'll give you an example. We believe we could probably do... In 2021, 1.5x to 2x on revenue. If we just gradually, incrementally grew headcount in the team without dramatically changing how we operate, which is pretty exciting. And, and that's based on existing technology with some enhancements. That's based on a proposition that we're already testing. The, the question really is, what more can we do than that? What appetite is there to take risk on that? So we have a lot of ideas about building around community, for example and building community around our category of technology, which as you said, is continuous controls monitoring. And really, that's, that's where all the, the thinking is going at the moment. It's how much risk do we want to take? What's our confidence in our ability to do a number next year, our ability to operate next year? What are our, how are our customers going to be affected? And I think we are not going to have as much certainty in future prediction of revenue as we used to have, perhaps. And so the question is, how do you operate in that environment? And, and obviously, communication with boards and other stakeholders is going to be critical as we quickly iterate those decisions. How do you see the industry and the category, indeed, that you're creating evolving? Because arguably, what the capability you're offering is even more important now, possibly in 2021 as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> you realize that we call security companies cockroaches because security companies are so hard to kill. Right. And there's, there's a fundamental reason for that, which is that no one really wants to turn off security. And as most people are aware, you know, cybersecurity is already a big issue. It's, it's the top risk, actually, on average, at board level in, in enterprises in the West. And what we find in security is that any change to working practices or operating model ends up in an increased spend in security because that changes the risk profile you're operating under. If you change your working practices, the bad guy will use that to trial new attack vectors to try and get into you and steal your information, steal your money or, or switch your operations. So in general, I would say as an investment thesis, cybersecurity is a good place to put your money at this point in time. For us as a company specifically, you know, what we do is make sure that an enterprise's safeguards are all in place and working. You know, most breaches happen because not because they haven't bought security tools, not because they haven't got the locks, it's because they're not switched on a working project. So we would see in this new world just even more opportunity for attackers to find gaps. So we're anticipating this change in operating model for companies, change in working practices would benefit our business. So how do you feel about the business now? It's a funny question because there are so many facets to it. You know, if it's on people, you know, someone once said to me, you know, having a company is like having a family. And with a family, you're only ever as happy as your unhappiest child. And if you apply that to the company, there are some people I'm really worried about. They're finding it harder than others to adapt to and, and live with the current lockdown and the working arrangements. So I do have compassion for those people. But as a business, if I bear in mind 
you know, the commercial aspects of the company, the stakeholder environment, our customers, our prospective investors. I feel better than I ever have done. And I feel better than back in March. And I think part of that is just slight growing up on my part and that of our leadership team in making decisions about the business and being more commercially aware in the business. And we've got the business into a great position now, better than it was a few months ago. You thrive on change. And you've clearly internalized that, that stoicism of accepting the fact that the changes that have happened to you and decisions you've made. Once you get through that process, it's, it's much easier to respond. I mean, would you go back to the way the business was? Well, that's a very hypothetical question, isn't it? Would I go back to the way it was? No, I don't. Well, I don't, you know, I only ever really look for it. I don't uh, look back so much. So I don't think I could go back to, to how it was before. And with this whole situation with how the world is changing as a result of, you know, as the world is reacting to this pandemic, it can't go back to the way it was before. Nothing ever does. It will be some variation of how things are now. And, you know, I find that very exciting. I really do. You know, I have compassion for those affected through illness and for those who lose their lives. But the world is changing and there will be a whole load of benefits, I think, to this, some of which we've seen and others we haven't envisaged yet that I anticipate will make things better for people. And I think as a business, if we can help that, if we can help organizations be safe and secure and help, you know, people who put their money into the banks and trust them to keep their money, we can help them do that. And that makes people's lives better. Nick, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really love the the way you thought about your business in terms of getting lean, hibernate, hustle, rebound, and then the focus on the things that really matter this year and the, and the things that really matter next year. Excited to see what, what you guys achieve. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about it. Obviously, <laughs> I would have, there's, no, there's never any guarantees in any of this stuff. And along with any <laughs> form of change, it can all go horribly wrong as well as it can all go well. You know? but I feel like we're in a good place and I wish others well as well. It's a challenging environment for a lot of different businesses. Yeah, I wish everyone the best of luck in whatever their, their endeavours are during this time of change. Thank you. That, Thank you. That's yeah. great conversation. Thank you, Nick. Cheers. 